Welcome to the Executive MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Yael Grushka-Kane and Callie Thompson. Yael is the Senior Associate Dean for Professional Degree Programs here at the Darden School of Business, and Callie is the Assistant Dean for Academic Operations for the Professional Degree Programs here at Darden, and I recently connected with them to talk more about electives in our part-time MBA program. If you're a prospective student interested in this program, curious about the academic experience and curriculum, this episode is essential listening. So without further ado, here's my interview with Yael Grushka-Kane and Callie Thompson. Yael, Callie, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brad. It's great to have you here. Yael, how's everything? How are you doing? Everything's great. Thank you for having me. Um, It's a beautiful Tuesday. You're everywhere. You were just in Roslyn. Now you're <laughs> back in Charlottesville. I just saw you yesterday, yes. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm back in Charlottesville, yes. Callie, how are you doing? Doing really well. We had such a great kickoff to the start of the year, and now it really feels like we're just um, getting into our rhythm. Exciting time of year. Yeah, there was just a weekend residency last weekend. and coincided with Friday night. There was a network networking reception with employers. They had a bunch of alumni. Yeah, uh, Sands Family Grounds, so much fun um, to see them. They were all excited to be back. It's a, uh, you know, it, it feels like the start of school. The fall is here. It, it it feels right to me. So um, it's great to have you here. We're going to talk about electives in our part-time MBA program. I, I was saying before we got started, this is probably one of the more common questions that we've gotten from prospective students about what electives will be offered, uh, what can I expect uh, from the elective period. And now we have some details to share as our first class of part-time MBA students move through, through the last few quarters of the core curriculum into the elective period. Uh, so, um, Yael, uh, before we get into all of that, though, some of our listeners uh, may not have had a chance to listen to your earlier podcast interviews, which they totally should. Yeah, um, of course but they should. Bit, <laughs> yeah, which, but tell us a little bit more about who you are and, and your role. Um, I am, uh, I'm here primarily uh, on this call. I think you invited me to the podcast uh, because I'm uh, the senior associate dean for the program uh, in charge of all of our professional degree programs, uh, part-time EMBA um, and uh, also the MSBA. I'm also a faculty at Darden. So I teach, I'm part of the quantitative analysis area, a member of that area. And I teach um, core classes on decision analysis. I teach electives on project management, data science, um, those have been the main courses I've taught over the years, um, but I'm excited to talk to you about this. Yeah, and I think you might actually be teaching an elective in this first slate of parts. I sure am. I sure am. For the first time, I'm very excited. All right, Callie, tell us more about you. Who are you and, and what's your role? Uh, so I am lucky to be a part of the academic operations team. It allows me to work very closely with um, students' faculty as well as the two of you on um, all types of things, but um, certainly on electives, we get really into the weeds with with our faculty, with the folks that help us schedule the faculty, comparing calendars, all that kind of thing. All right, thank you both for coming on the podcast. I wanna check in, just talk about how things are going with the part-time MBA classes. Now we have two classes of part-time MBA students. We just welcomed our second class of part-time MBA students, our part-time MBA class of 2026. Uh, to grounds in August. Uh, they are off and running with their with their classes. Our, our first class of part-time MBA students still working through the core curriculum uh, in quarter seven, eight, thereabouts. Um, so Yael, how, how is everybody doing? How are things going? Uh, it's going great. Um, uh, like anything new, uh, we're all learning every day. So every day that the program advances, uh, it's a, it, we're new territory and uh, our students are very helpful and uh, real team players and collaborators in trying to kind of think through uh, uh, how it's evolving. And by all means, it's evolving great. Um, it's nice to see um, Stan's Family Ground, uh, you know, filled with activities on the evenings where folks have in-person class. We have uh, two cohorts worth, so a section, first year section, a second year section. So that's 130 students or more. Um, so last night was a lot of activity and excitement, um, which which is great. Um, it's also good for the faculty. This way, there's uh, more than one faculty there, uh, faculty coming in and out, uh, teaching first years and second years. Um, so it's nice to get that kind of vibe going in the community uh, going and for them to learn from each other. Um, part of why folks attend Darden to begin with is the networking. And this is a way to network with more students um, and to get exposed to more industries and more experiences. Um, yeah. So it's going, it's going great. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited because I think we already have, a, you know, the next deadline coming up. So we can already think about our, our uh, enrollment for next year. 
Um, and it, it will be nice at the end of 25 to graduate our first cohort. We have some ways beforehand, um, and I'm excited for them to experience the electives for sure. Yeah, this time of year, you can't help but compare where we were last year and the year before that. You always sort of compare the years. And this one has been, it's been such a treat to be able to see the two cohorts together um, and to see the relationships that have formed, the vibe, as Yael mentioned, just being so um, positive. We just got off of a call with um, two of our uh, leaders from the part-time MBA class of 25 who um, who lead uh, the part-time student association, the PSA, and um, they continue to just have wonderful things to say about what that um, having classes on the nights that they do have class in the same time, being able to share a meal together to share um, all types of relationships and connections that they're forming, not just with their classmates, but with the folks in the other co cohort. Yeah, I love uh, seeing everybody here on, on those Monday and Thursday nights when the students are in person together. Both classes are here. I will say when we had one class of part-time students, there was energy, but it, it was it was different than having 130 people all there together. It's a real hive of activity. We also have a lot of students who show up early. Uh, you start to see people come in in the afternoon taking calls and like you can kind of start feeling the build up to uh, evening class. So that, then they put the food out and students start showing up for the meal like it's a really nice, really nice scene. Uh, we have part-time class visits um, coming up and uh, I'm excited to have some of our visitors come and see what this looks like in this, this latest iteration of this. Now that we have 130 or so part-time students, we actually have over 400 students uh, across all of the programs that happen here in the DC area, uh, which is kind of amazing. If you think about where we started, you know, August, 2016, one section of executive MBA students to now three programs, over 400 students. Uh, what I also like is that um, we're seeing more and more students see or view SFG as as a as their home or as a place to stop by. And uh, part-time students are kind of hopping in on the weekends when there's embas there and events and coming in for the Friday Night Live or the networking event or um, uh, other events when they when they occur. So it's nice to see that there's also kind of some fluidity to it. Again, being on the 30 and 31st floor of a building is nice because the view is spectacular, but it has its downside because it's not, you know, people don't just pass by, right? Like you have to actually uh, uh, consciously go upstairs and, and deliver, be deliberate in that. Um, but we're seeing more and more of our students kind of stop by, which is great. It adds to the campus atmosphere. And one of the things that's upcoming as well is our first part-time MBA global elective. A uh, group of students will head to Italy in the not-too-distant future. Um, Yael, tell us a little bit more uh, about what those students will be doing. Uh, the trip to Italy is a great one. Um, uh, they really get to kind of understand the local uh, business uh, approach. There's typically has been a lot of emphasis from uh, we've we've had courses in Italy in the past um, for many years. Luke, one of our faculty members who's Italian, he's crafted um, a great um, curriculum, a great group of students, a great group of companies that host our students and they interact with them, primarily focused around luxury brands. Um, uh, you know, not that bad if you can imagine some luxury brands in Italy, um, which I think we can all imagine at least some cars and wine and uh, maybe some outfits too. Um, and so they really um, get to understand kind of the mentality, uh, the processes that these organizations take, the, and just the kind of approach to doing business in, in the local uh, country. Um, I am trying to remember what cities they're visiting this year. I think Rome, um, but I'm not 100% sure. I know that in the past, one trip visited Rome, Another trip visited, uh, I think, Rome and Florence, and another trip visited Milan. Um, I don't recall which one, which of those cities uh, the part-time students are currently going on. Uh, Gopika would know because I think Gopika is joining them. Um, she's from our CD, from our career team. Oh, I didn't know she was joining. I'm so excited for her. I've been, I've had the Yael. Obviously, has you've led several. I've also um, had the chance to go abroad with Darden students, and it really is you know, really no matter where you go, the, the, uh, the schedule and the, um, the, the opportunity to sort of have time in country with your classmates, with your faculty, with members of the staff who join, um, it's, it is transformational. And people point to that as part of the transformation that is Darden that you've experienced in all different types of way, that just being a really poignant, uh, opportunity for students. So, uh, many of our students, obviously in the executive MBA program take, multiple uh chances at going abroad and they've they've just really always have the best things to say about it that's a real it's a real highlight 
Yeah, I was struck um, just talking with some of our colleagues who work for the Center for Global Initiatives uh, that on this global uh, elective, there are certainly part-time students, but there are also four executive MBA students. And we have some executive MBAs, at least two executive MBA students who are going from another global residency to this global elective. So I'm trying to imagine a student going from Argentina to Italy, going from Finland, Estonia to Italy. I mean, that's incredible. Um, yeah. I, I, was, I was struck by that. It's not a, not a bad life, um, uh, for sure. And let me kind of in the context of our conversation today, those are electives, meaning what's helpful to think about is that the students opt in to most of these courses um, and they make their choices and it complements the other electives that they choose. So, um, you know, they can add if they are interested in a global focus, they can also take a global consulting project. They, and again, these are types of electives that you can take um, in addition to the to the other um, uh, more uh, regular routine or more academic in nature courses, but these are more experiential. Um, and so we encourage students to really uh, choose what what makes sense to them, what where will they learn the most, what will kind of advance them as a global mindset of a global leader. Um, those are kind of, kind of some things that we think about. Well, let's um, talk a little bit more about part-time MBA and electives. I mentioned that this is something we got a lot of questions about from students as as we were getting started, launched the program, and we had to tell folks, hey, just hang in there. We're going to have more information. we got this 18-month core curricular period that's going to happen, and then the students will start uh, electives. So for those of you who are just learning about the part-time MBA program, the first 18 months you do the core curriculum, you do it as a group. It's cohort-based. It's lockstep. Students moving through that together as a group. And then you enter the an, inter, an elective period, and it's at that point that you can choose how fast or how slow you'd like to complete the remaining credits. And program can be completed anywhere from 28 to 48 months with the standard pacing being 33 months. And so we're going to talk a lot about the elective period because now we do have uh, electives to talk about. Um, so, uh, Callie, how does um, the actual registering process uh, work you know, for, for students? So, uh, prospective students may wonder, how, how do people actually register for these classes? How, how does it work? Yeah. So in contrast to the first 18 months you mentioned is the cohort experience, and that's when the Darden registrar takes care of everybody's enrollment for them. Um, and so students don't need to worry about when do I sign up for classes? All of those required classes are are, are, are taken care of. Uh, when it comes time for electives registering, we've got um, a couple of things that go live to the students just to get them prepared before they even have to hit a button to register themselves. So um, we have something called the catalog, which is um, uh, a cohort specific um, canvas base, which is our learning management system canvas based tool where you can click through, you can have links to who, who the faculty members are that are offering the courses, descriptions about the course itself, which courses uh, qualify for focus areas, which is another thing we can talk more about. Um, uh, as well as the grading components. So just get, to give you a flavor of what the course is. Uh, in addition to that, it also houses some sort of standard FAQs that are often on students' minds at the time of registering, as well as the schedule itself. So when are these classes meeting? Every once in a while, classes are scheduled against one another. So students have to make a decision about which course uh, is most important to them um, and, and which course they want to enroll in. Other times we try to the extent we can to sort of stagger them so that students have um, maximum options really. Um, and so after the catalog is sort of uh, out there to students and they have time to ask their questions, uh, we do go live with um, registration. So through the student management system, this is something that um, is is um, uh, sort of managed by our the Darden Registrar. So again, the same team that's enrolling students in the core classes, but this time the students have the chance to enroll themselves. Every once in a while, a class fills. Pretty rare um, with this first set. Um, a couple of them have lower caps in which case a student um, who maybe wasn't able to get into the course can add themselves to a wait list. Um, and then it's just a matter of watching uh, the numbers go up and down in sort of a period of time where you've you've uh, registered yourself, but it's that the act of registering yourself in a particular course is not binding. You actually do have a period of time after that to consider your options and maybe re as, as your life changes, as your considerations for your um, professional advancement change, all that kind of thing, you can make those changes. Yeah, one of the things I was struck by is that, you know, the program team is really committed to giving students optionality and flexibility. And so folks who know a little bit about our part-time program know that uh, classes are typically Monday and Thursday evening, 6 to 9.30. But in the elective period, I think you also introduced uh, some classes that meet on Wednesdays to kind of eliminate some conflict to give students more choice. Um, you want to speak a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, I think um, if I could uh, kind of wave my magic wand, which I don't have, regrettably, um, uh, I would have electives every night and as many as I could offer, meaning I would have kind of a whole set of options for the students to choose from, um, uh, because I think that, that that way we can meet more students and really kind of accommodate their busy lives. And uh, some people want a relief from the Monday, Thursday routine that they kind of got used to, um, and some like the consistency. So what we're trying to do is still offer Monday and Thursday's classes. Um, but now that it's elective, students don't have to take those classes. And given that there are other electives to choose from, we said, well, why not let you students have as many bites at the apple, if you will, um, as possible by opening it up and not having courses conflict. And there's going to be limitations to that. And there's going to be um, times where we do have to schedule uh, courses against each other. Um, that is not necessarily always a bad thing. Sometimes that means that we're just offering more and more and more selection, but there is limited number of days a week that we can really put these courses in. Um, this happens in our other uh, other formats as well, just to kind of point out. Um, you know, full-time residential students meet in the morning, eight to one, every day, four days a week. Then when they come to the elective, suddenly they can take all afternoon classes for those non-morning folks. Uh, they love uh, showing up at, you know, 11.45 for their first class of the day. So suddenly in electives, they have all these afternoon classes that can go as late as 6 or even 9 p.m. sometimes. So yes, it's a departure from what they were used to, but, but it's optional because there's plenty of electives in the morning too to choose from. Um, with our EMBA students, same thing. You can have courses on Fridays like you're used to with the resident at the during the OGRs. Um, but now you can choose one of three courses and you don't have to have classes on the Friday if you don't want to choose one of those three courses because you can stick to a Saturday Sunday schedule or vice versa. Like now we're giving the students really are in uh, control a lot more. Um, and with that control kind of comes the responsibility. They can control their schedule a little bit more, but then they have the responsibility to pick and choose which one they want. Uh, in the case of the part-time electives, we're trying to, uh, again, balance out how many uh, nights they might be busy, but also open up the door to as many um, opportunities as we can. And Kelly, uh, one of the things for folks who are listening to this conversation to keep in mind is that UVA is going to require you to be enrolled in at least one class uh, per, per quarter. Um, but how do you help people think about how many electives they might be able to take in a, in a given quarter? Some of this just comes down to schedule, but that may be something that's on listeners' minds as well. Yeah, it's a great point. We do, uh, we've been focusing in the last um, few minutes on, on the classes that actually have in-person and Zoom requirements on the weeknights. There are also elective opportunities that are completely what we call asynchronous or self-paced. Um, and those classes, while you still have a faculty member and you're in touch with the faculty member and there's um, very often deadlines sprinkled in, it's not the same traditional um, class time. And so because of that opportunity, because of other ones that we uh, uh, talk to students about when we're sort of in the thick of this, um, you really could theoretically be enrolled in quite a few electives if that was your uh, intention. You could be in the Monday and the Wednesday and the Thursday, you could do a distance, you could be in the global if you want to do the global. So suddenly a quarter that you may be in the core experience that first 18 months was really just the two courses, almost every quarter, that cadence of two courses per quarter, per quarter, per quarter, suddenly you can increase that. You can also drop down. So it could be that a student decides, you know what, this particular portion of my year is really wild at work. I'm going to drop to the minimum one one elective. It could be the distance asynchronous elective, and we'd be really sad because we wouldn't see them on site. But um, it is the case that students could um, take take a quarter where they wait, you know, they lessen their load. Yeah, and I think that flexibility is important to, to highlight. I mean, a lot of the part-time MBA, the inspiration for the program was around flexibility, but also customization, uh, personalization, which kind of speaks to your your points are thinking about the schedule, thinking about everything that's going on, uh, some of the interests that they might have uh, professionally. And uh, it's going to kind of continue to uh, expand in terms of that flexibility, including the opportunity to take some EMBA electives. So those folks who do feel like they have time and they prefer to kind of concentrate some of their in-person on the weekend, again, not all students potentially, but a part-time student may have evolving needs over the time that they're in the program too, they can take a quarter where they have uh, some EMBA electives, executive format electives, and therefore they can come in on the weekend and take their in-person classes then. So uh, again, just trying to build in that flexibility. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. I think that students who are considering this, on the one hand, the kicking off with the cohort um, experience is 
is really important, I think, just for the relationships that you build and for getting through those core requirements together and keeping that real cadence. But, you know, most of us don't know what we're exactly what our life is going to look like in one, two, three years ahead of us. So having the flexibility, getting the information out to students um, as, as early as we possibly can so that they can start to build a picture of what their life will look like once they uh, enter electives you know, protecting those Monday, Thursdays for the folks who that's, it's got to be that way or bust, um, you know, and allowing them to have those conversations in advance with partners, with uh, parents, with children, with coworkers and bosses is really our job. Well, I, I think one of the more exciting things that we don't talk about this that often is the alignment of the calendars. Uh, the fact that people now can't easily take electives across program that wasn't always easy to do. Yeah, I know what we've had full-time MBA students come up here and take electives with executive MBA students. I expect we'll have some executive MBA students who are interested in the part-time MBA electives, vice versa, as you've mentioned. You have a whole slate of J-term uh, electives uh, that are, um, this is a short 10-day period between New Year's and um, and and MLK Day uh, that are potential enrollments for both both groups of students. So, I mean, that's, that's very exciting. This is new territory for Darden. Oh, the electives in the J term are going to be super exciting this year because many of them, actually at least two or three I know, are going to have students from all all, all formats. Um, I think three, maybe Callie will correct me, but um, you're going to have um, uh, courses that are are more like uh, travel courses. So they're not on grounds, they're, they're um, elsewhere. We have in-person classes, we have hybrid classes, we have every, every kind of combo that you can think of. And um, as a result, we open them up to students from the full-time um, residential program, but also from the EMBA and the, and the part-time. Um, and it's gonna be great for all of them to kind of get to work side by side with each other. Yeah, and not just have the diversity of perspective in the classroom, diversity of schedules we've talked about, but also to be able to get um, some full-time MBA students. They love to come to, to Roslyn to see Sam's Family Grounds, to see what all the hype is about. Uh, they've enjoyed coming up and vice versa. Students in the, the professional degree formats they like to, the excuse to get down to Seville. So we do, like Yael said, in J-Term have uh, two that will meet in person in Seville and we'll have representation from all three MBA formats, which is so exciting, um, as well as others that are in the all distance format, one that will be uh, a traveling course and yeah, lots going on. Well, let's talk about the elective lineup for the part-time MBA students here in this uh, initial set of elective quarters. I know there's going to be more classes announced as we go go forward uh, in the program. Um, but yeah, how does the list of electives get developed? Uh, can you bring us into that process uh, a little bit? Yeah, I mean it's um it's um an iterative and ever evolving process. That we have um to take into account several different perspectives. One is definitely like the student perspective. What do they need? What kind of courses do they want and need and um and seek? And even the students themselves, you can imagine uh, even a single section of 65 students could have varying needs and interests and desires. Some need some uh, skills and capabilities and, and, and learning for their jobs. So they're really kind of upskilling or filling in the gaps or looking for things that they uh, that they require or they know that they're going to need as they progress in their in their career. Um, and then there's also students who come to Darden to experience courses that um, enrich them as individuals and really about personal growth. Um, we have a very popular elective called Business Ethics Through L Literature, which I don't know that any boss is sitting there and, you know, describing to their employer uh, employees like, oh, you have to go to business school to take this course. Uh, but I know that some uh, could could say that this was the most valuable course that they've experienced at Darden because it pushed them personally um, uh, to to think more deeply. Um, we have questions, uh, we have courses on ultimate questions and again, some big kind of arch arching um, issues in life. Uh, but then we have very tactical courses like the one I teach, which is uh, about project management. And while I think, and it is true that there are ethical concerns and there's a lot of personal growth in project management, I'm also kind of uh, aware of the fact that my elective is, is primarily um, uh, tactical, somewhat strategic, uh, but much more professionally oriented than maybe some of the, the more personal courses. So we're looking for a blend. We look for a blend of courses to satisfy the, the students' desires um, and needs. Um, we're looking for timely courses that are relevant to the world around us. Um, and then, of course, we also need the faculty to teach it. So we're constantly triangulating um, uh, between these things and, and uh, 
you know, thinking about the schedule and availability, uh, thinking about which courses go hand in hand. Um, uh, we don't want to overwhelm a single quarter with only courses that are all marketing or all uh, finance. We want to make sure that there's a blend, again, um, fully acknowledging that not only do students uh, need different things, but also each student should diversify to some degree or at least give them the opportunity to try and do so. Um, so that's kind of the, the set of criteria that we have in front of us when we try to craft the catalog. Um, and therefore, we come up with uh, with a list of electives. We've also worked with our area coordinators um, to kind of say, what are your best hits? Like, what are some courses that are very, um, we know from historical trends, from other cohorts that are uh, well-received, useful, important to the students. And so uh, we kind of uh, try to ensure that we have them in the program too. Um, and then there's always going to be a space um, that is left for some innovation. So there's always going to be some room for new opportunities and new electives that emerge uh, to both innovate with the faculty, but also with the students on kind of cutting edge ideas. Um, so does that does that help, Brett, a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think people always wonder, like, where does this list come from? Like, how does it get developed? You know, this is a pretty common question. I think so. We also spent a fair amount of time talking with prospective students about this um, a little bit high level as people have asked about the elective lineup and when will they know more and just a little bit about how the process works and the, and the timing of it in particular that Darden tends to think in academic years, right? So, you know, the reason why the elective process plays out the way it does is, you know, teaching, uh, allocation, all this kind of stuff really happens around the academic year cycle. And so um, I know that a lot of this kind of kicks off, seems like during the summer. Um, is, is that right? Um, as you think about, you know, putting the elective list together, finding faculty, I mean, how, do, how does the timing work? Um, yeah, it's a great question. And it's, um, uh, um, Callie can probably share more, but actually it all starts uh, way deep around kind of the middle of the, like the winter, actually. Actually, it starts in the winter. Like it starts December, January. It Some of it depends on faculty recruiting. So the the moment where we can solidify our our uh, lineup is when we have all our faculty on on board. We know who we're working with, who's leaving, who's staying. Even then, there's going to be maybe some late breaking kind of changes at the end, but hopefully, it's pretty stable. Um, so we have that process, and we have a process where we need to kind of commit to certain um, uh, schedules for the for each and every faculty. Academic years typically go from August to August. So when we plan an or the end of August to the end of August. So we plan an academic year, the cycle, what we call Q1, um, so to speak, or, or, or quarter one or the beginning is at the end of August every year. And if you think about that, then you have a full year. I know this is going to go against my quantitative analysis mindset. Uh, we divide our year into six, you heard me right, six quarters, um, and we schedule, because we schedule in blocks, basically we schedule courses typically in blocks of about six to seven weeks, and those are our, so to speak, quarters. Um, and so we have six periods to plan on an annual basis, and it all has to start in August. In order to get it ready for the end of August, we actually have to start in January. And so we uh, look at last year's schedule. We go out to the various area coordinators and through them to the entire faculty body. We say, who is planning on teaching what? Um, and when and to which audience. Um, then we have a few individuals who work super hard by aggregating all of this information and making sure that we have a good um, spread across the various courses. Um, and then we can also identify gaps. Where are some electives that we don't have staffed? Where do we need to fill in some gaps? And we can do some work behind that. By Typically by um, May, it is fairly stable. Um, uh, not, you know, there's some, some given that, but typically around May, Faculty know what they're going to teach the next year. We know the students get notified what's going to be offered next year. That's typically when we go out with it. Um, but there is some give in that it, with that date, depending on when we need students to commit to classes. Um, so, so it has uh, also some some process has to do with when the students actually enroll in the class. But I know that that there's a lot of moving parts. I feel like there's a Gantt chart that we can draw that would help with some of this. But maybe that's just my project management mindset. That's more or less what what we have every year. And it's it's tough because on the one hand, I think what students really can take away from this is that in every quarter, yeah, I'll talked about the blend and the balance and the, you know, taking into account what uh, what students need at, at different points in the program. And that's what you can know for sure. What you don't necessarily know for sure is 
um, what next year's lineup of, of electives, what we often refer to as round two of your registration, you won't know exactly what's going to be offered to you when you're in the midst of of, um, of re registering for electives in round one. But by then you'll have your sea legs, you sort of get a sense of what types of, of, uh, of courses are offered, more or less the schedule. Um, and so it's kind of nice in a way that, you know, the first academic year is does not have any electives. The, the next academic year mostly has core and required courses. Towards the end, there is, um, you know, the first uh, few elective quarters, and then you're off to the races just with a fully fully elective experience in the third year. So um, all of those at every step of the way, we sort of walk through uh, with students what they can expect from, from registration, from their lineup, from the catalog, all that. Callie, you mentioned focus areas earlier, and these were originally introduced uh, what, a couple of years ago, it feels like, executive MBA students uh, in mind, uh, students who wanted to demonstrate maybe to a prospective employer, to the world at large, they've developed their expertise or taken a, a chunk of courses in a particular area. Um, what would you want to highlight about focus areas for part-time MBA students? Yeah, the summary you just gave is is the right one. I mean, it's very often we refer to it as um, concentrations in other schools in the full-time MBA format. They call it concentrations, but functionally focus areas are the same, uh, achieve the same goal really is an opportunity for students to, you know, stretch their legs in a given uh, area and, and, and take some uh, register for courses that are, uh, that qualify for a given area, focus area. So, um, um, I can list some of them. Um, and, and again, with that same blend in mind, we try to make sure that, um, throughout their experience round one and round two students are getting that opportunity to be able to take a class, um, that qualifies for a given focus area. And it might not be toward till the very end that you qualify, you need three, electives in a given focus area to graduate with that focus area um, to have earned it. Um, and so some folks will focus on just doing them all at once for one area. Some will spread it out. It's really up to to you. And we give you a, a tracker sort of, of of sorts to be able to say, okay, I took that, but I'm not, yeah, not going to take this, really, but I will next um, semester. You know, uh, for the so students, and it's kind things. of to help guide them a little bit to think about their electives and the combination of electives. Not everybody finds it relevant, meaning some folks don't really put too much weight on it, and they prefer to just choose electives that sound interesting or get exposed to different new ideas and different industries. Uh, hear from different faculty that they may have not seen before. Uh, we try to bring in faculty to the electives um, lineup that the students haven't necessarily experienced in the court. I mean, some they want to have to see them back. So sometimes there's requests to kind of get uh, um, the beloved ones back. Um, um, so it's kind of a blend of that. And the focus areas is just, again, another tool that our students uh, found useful when they think about which combination of courses can really help them um, um, feel like they've dug into a certain area. You know, sometimes we like to talk about the breadth of the core as the top part of a T and then the electives as the, the kind of um, uh, vertical uh, leg, if you will, that people can go deeper. And these focus areas are, are, are a way to do that and accomplish that. If you're taking a focus area in strategy or in finance or ESG and social impact, like then you're gonna take a set of courses that may help you get there. Um, uh, but of, of course, it's it's not anything formal in the system. You don't have to declare it. Um, you can get several focus areas depending on your electives, and it's administrated um, basically at the end of your program. You get a letter from our registrar, kind of uh, signaling to you that you accomplished that. Um, and again, it's a it's another place to consult if you're debating which courses to take. This is a good place to look at. Um, yeah, I appreciate the point around it, it not being on, on your transcript. Um, I think sometimes you know, folks knowing that undergraduate model, right? You have to declare a major. It is not like that. It's yeah. kind of there if you want to, want to use it, if you want to take advantage of it. Um, many students take a lot of different kinds of classes. Even when I talk to the full-time MBA students, um, obviously the program has concentrations, all this kind of stuff. Many of them are not focused on the concentrations when they're picking their classes. They're just taking, oh, this looks of interest to me. This aligns with what I want to do career-wise. And then they find out that they've earned a concentration at the very end of it. So uh, I think, you know, Darden being a general management school, probably it, it makes sense that we attract people who are interested in a lot of different things. Plus, you've just gone through the core and discovered you have all these interests that you didn't know that you knew uh, you you uh, you had when you started this program. That's kind of the, that's kind of the idea. Here. Yeah, exactly uh, right. And that's exactly right. And in a way, um, you know, I know that you've had previous podcasts, uh, Brett, where you talk about our GEMBA designation versus our EMBA, uh, our global executive as opposed to EMBA. Uh, the global, if you can think about it, another way to think about it is a little bit like uh, 
a focus area because they're, again, they're taking um, more than one course. They're taking several courses that have this global emphasis and global focus, and that's where they got that designation. So it's a signal kind of uh, a, a bit. And, and in that case, it's a little bit more formal, but um, it's, again, a, a way to I, both identify to yourself and to signal what it is that you've spent your time uh, thinking about. Um, yeah. Well, can you tell us uh, about it? maybe a few of the classes? I think people always enjoy stories or just examples to help make this a little bit more real. Um, Yael, yeah. is there a class or two? I mean, obviously project management. Yeah, uh, let's not talk about, take. we're not going to talk about project management, so I'm not going to okay. self-promote. Um, <laughs> that can be a different podcast. We can have a self-promotion, Yael self-promotion podcast. Um, um, we have an all-time favorite. Negotiations is always a roaring success. Uh, students love taking negotiations. Uh, so we're going to offer a section of negotiations in Q12, um, a fun course that has a lot of um, nuance around, um, you know, how to approach a negotiation, how to remove some of the stress, how to think about it in a more um, comprehensive way so both parties walk away um, uh, better off and satisfied with the way that they negotiated. And so folks love it because it's very interactive and it's very dynamic. Um, so that's one course that I'm super excited about. Um, um, we have a course um, on uh, telling financial stories, which combines both quants, but also a lot of visualizations and communication. So uh, very important need these days, not only to be able to do some work, but also to present and then pitch and analyze and kind of talk about uh, the story. And so I think um, students are going to really enjoy um, that story. That's going to be offered in Q10. So it's coming up kind of in, in March, April timeframe. Um, we have days of visualizations and analytics. Again, a, a more quants oriented course. Um, we have a course, um, some um, economic oriented courses, one on, on more emerging markets and one on more in the European market. So kind of two um, kind of um, economic perspectives, um, very interesting and, and changing, you know, daily, very timely courses uh, relevant to, to world affairs. Um, another very timely course that has taken a whole new spin um, in recent years is a course on financial crises. Um, Bob Bruner, who used our former dean, uh, has now retired, but he has left us in good hands and um, faculty have carried on uh, this course and kind of developed um, uh, an updated version because, um, you know, some of us know that, um, you know, different parts of the world have been going through various uh, financial crises, some more than others. Uh, but it's definitely important for us to reflect on history and how what we learn from those um, arcs over history. Um, so those are those are a few examples. There's many more that I haven't mentioned, but hopefully that gives you a sense, uh, Brett. Yeah, Callie, anything you would want to highlight here? Any courses that, that jumped out to you? I mean, project management with uh, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Nicely done. I mean, I, but I'm primed one, she's sitting here and we're joking about it, but also her, um, uh, our PSA leaders were just uh, excited to share with her that they got into the class and so they're excited to take it with her. Um, we mentioned, you know, the J-term opportunities. We haven't talked too much about another um, option for students, which is the Darden Independent Study Route. Um, and so that's an opportunity for students with a special interest to work under the supervision of a particular Darden faculty. So you can approach a Darden faculty member with an idea and work with them to um, to come up with um, a proposal. It's a process that you can apply and actually um, and put, uh, put in place a, a course that's a bona fide 1.5 credit course. and. Um, it's something that students, uh, not all students decide to do it, but a lot, a lot of folks decide that uh, they've got a passion and an interest in something and, uh, and they jump, jump into the DIS process. So that's something I highlight. I also want to mention, Callie, that we have um, nearly every quarter, we have an option that is, um, uh, doesn't have an in-person component, meaning there is an option that is more online, pure online. And in some cases, um, it's a blend between pure online that is synchronous versus asynchronous, so more kind of like self-paced uh, content. Um, uh, we typically don't have more than one option, but we do have one per quarter, which gives some flexibility to students. So if they don't, if they can't be there in person, if they need to kind of control their schedule, if they are night owls that like to take a course at you know two a.m. Um, or, or morning owls that like to take classes at 7 a.m., uh, they can control their schedule. And so we have uh, a few courses that were developed 
especially for the part-time students, meaning brand new um, uh, courses hot off the press that have not existed previously. Uh, Mike Lennox developed a course like this. Jean Litka, our, de- our acting dean, has developed a course like this. Both of them pioneers in the space of online learning. Um, so they've really kind of um, focused on putting a set of materials and um, set, setting a curriculum of a course that takes the students uh, through a, a different type of experience. It's very much self-led, a lot, some teamwork. So there is coordination with the team, some instructor um, uh, visibility. So you have time to consult and kind of be coached one, uh, one on an individual basis with uh, with an instructor. Um, but the idea of the course is that there is additional flexibility just by the way that you consume it. So I'm super excited. There's uh, been a decent amount of investment in on Darden's behalf in these courses, and uh, and more are coming. There's at least uh, two or three more in the pipeline that are being worked on. So uh, Doug Thomas is working on. Anthony Paloma is working on one. I know that Raj is a is a frequent visitor to the studio because he also likes to think. Um, and 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 more faculty uh, keep expressing interest um, as well. Um, um, Kelly um, is reminding me that there's um, a couple of additional, we spoke about the J term um, opportunities. We spoke about all these various ways to consume electives. We're also um, always have interesting, exciting courses that are, are kind of more unique, I would say, and, and specific. We have a course to the U.S. South, a uh, brand new course that is being offered, actually a joint effort between a faculty member and uh, one of our former um, executive MBA students who is from the South um, and felt like um, it's important to get folks exposed to just what is business in the South? What does it look like? What are some uh, uh, top of mind uh, um, uh, things to know and to learn about it? Um, both some historical perspective on the importance of the region and some of the dynamics and the and the struggles, um, but also the role it plays today in, in the economy um, and socially uh, too. And so I'm excited about that course. I think it's going to be very exciting. I'm Still trying to piggyback and join them, but we'll see because I've never been to to Mississippi and Alabama. So, um, and I believe those are the two states they're visiting this year. Um, in addition to that, we also have a a very popular course to Gettysburg. It's a leadership course um, where folks go and kind of um, visit the battlefield. Uh, there's some in class experience where they talk about the history and some leadership lessons throughout, but they also go and they learn on grounds uh, by visiting Gettysburg. Yeah, and that's a good example of a course that's been around for a while. A lot, a lot, a good mix of courses that are sort of um, tried and true and are always offered. They're not quite core and required courses, but something like negotiations is you can almost always expect that it'll be in the lineup because so many students are drawn to that as a skill building opportunity. And then, um, like some of the examples, yeah, I'll just mention brand new, hot off the press. Um, uh, things that faculty get so excited about to be able to share with students and. Um, um, this course that, that you just mentioned, yeah, is, is one of them. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I think for me, when I hear about these courses, I always ask myself, would I be interested in this course? Would I succeed in this course? I like it very much in advising calls when students start the call by saying, no, 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 that's not for me. I know it's not for me. And by the end of the call, just hearing a little bit about, um, the unique take the fa- faculty, the unique approaches that they take, the, um, what students have said about the course, what types of students really surprise themselves by ending up signing up for an elective that you would never think that you would do. And then you love it. And then it's the one that you love more than, more than any of your other courses. So it's really, uh, it, it's a fun, time. And like we said, it's not like you have to, you know, know by one date and one date only exactly what your experience is going to be. You have time to flesh it out and have these conversations um, and and make changes. Well, Kelly, we talked a little bit about the timeline for uh, elective development when it gets shared with students. Obviously, we have this initial announcement, which we are going to be sharing some updates on the website uh, about the course offerings here so students can go and review that. Uh, But when can we expect the next slate of electives to be announced for for the part-time MBA students. Yeah, so yeah, I'll mention that the, the process gets started in sort of middle of winter. And then um, by the beginning of spring, about halfway through the spring semester, um, we can we start to go live with the catalog and, and give students the, the chance to look. Now that's for round two, if that makes sense. So round one, um, we already went live with, but again, it was only half of the academic year that they were going to have to register for. Everything else was registered for them. So they, um, they, uh, they meaning the uh, current um, second year class, they just... Uh, we're given the opportunity to register, I think, in the last four weeks or so, um, and then they'll have to make some decisions um, 
within the next couple of weeks. Uh, that's really just for everything that comes at the end of their second spring semester after core is over into their uh, first summer of electives. Um, and then that's that's that. So round one is is really only three quarters. It, um, of course, it's also the first J term experience, also your global residency experience. So it's all sort of packed into that second year. And then once the third academic year starts, um, that's when I was uh, initially answering your question that um, when you're into round two, um, which covers far more quarters, uh, you end up uh, registering for that in in the springtime. So it's they're staggered experiences, um, and uh, it's it can be difficult to describe because of the quarter system. We realize that that's sort of a funny way to name our quarters, are the way our terms are named. But um, essentially, when students are just about to wrap up their core experience. So residency two, what we call R2, that's right around the time that they get to uh, to register for that uh, third year of full electives. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah. And for folks who are wondering, yeah, residency two back in Charlottesville, that's the last thing you do as a as a group, as a cohort. Um, it, there's bookends around this core curricular um, 18 month period that we've been talking about. You have a week. First thing you do is a week in Charlottesville. Then you have those 18 months. And then the last thing you do is residency two, R2. Uh, down in Charlottesville, and then you you enter the elective period. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's just helpful for the students to kind of get a sense of the rhythm and the, and the timing of, of things. Um, hopefully our listeners know by now that you will measure your life kind of in two-month quarters or so as you go through this program because um, you get new classes every every couple of months. Yael, anything you would want to add about timing or just how people uh, think about, should think about some of, some of the, the program? Um. I think the only thing I would add is that um, Darden, like sometimes students like to come into the program and know every single part of what they're going to do until they graduate. And I would encourage folks to keep an open mind because as you learn from certain classes, it may shape how you think about other classes. You may rule yourself out. And Callie alluded to the fact that sometimes students come to a conversation and say, I'm not interested or I'm not going to take it and they change. People may kind of like to label themselves or think about themselves as like a, a quants or non-quants or, or or more of a, a, a you know, a, a poet. Um, I don't love those terms because I think all of us are a little bit of both. I know I'm sounding a little bit like the the finale of The Breakfast Club, but I think we are a little bit um, all of, of, of the above. Um, and and students should allow themselves and enjoy kind of to be in the moment. And it's it's tricky with our professional degree students for sure because we can only be in the moment so much. We do have to plan. We have to physically get to class at a certain time. We have to plan our work. We have to plan our lives, which I totally respect and appreciate. Um, but I also want them to allow themselves to grow and to kind of enjoy that arc of of professional um, uh, growth that occurs get by while they get exposed to other things. So you've taken a core class. It could be... It, you know, they're just experiencing operations now in their second year. Maybe you fall in love with it and you think you're really natural at it and you want to learn more. So suddenly now an elective on digital operations will be even more relevant and exciting to you than it was even a mere five weeks ago. So um, they haven't had um, their ethics class yet. And so um, only towards the middle of your second year, you're going to experience your ethics uh, core class. Then it might shape how you think about that class and all the electives that may kind of excite you following that experience. So really let yourself kind of uh, learn always and not kind of shut down prematurely by pre-committing and assuming that you have to stay with that. Um, I'll also say that not only do you grow and learn in the classroom from the courses you get exposed to, but you learn from your classmates. And of course, your situation at, at work might change and evolve. And so hopefully you're reflecting and you're using either our team or the career services to kind of brainstorm or some of the coaching that we provide to kind of brainstorm and to work um, with, with the many individuals of in the community who are looking to support you to think out loud around what you need, what you don't need, what would be beneficial, how, what could complement it, um, and 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 ultimately craft the ideal um, set of courses for you. I love the idea that people are going to listen to this podcast and then go watch The Breakfast Club being like, what was that takeaway? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's a must. You know, I have a feeling... Uh, I have two teenagers and knowing them, it's not on anybody's radar. So I think it's one that used to get over, over, overutilized, I guess, when some of us were growing up. But I think its popularity has decreased and it's never too late to uh, 
to wake up some of those uh, John Hughes uh, movies. Um, yeah. Yeah, Elle, I know you have a have a like a list of your top movies. Is the Breakfast Club? <laughs> I have a, I have a deck. I have a PowerPoint. You, store you have a PowerPoint deck. deck. Yes, yes, correct. <laughs> yeah. um, is Breakfast Club on there? I don't think it is actually, um, from my recollection. I love it. It's a great movie, but a little bit like Shawshank, I think it's a little bit cliche. So you know, like you can only put one of those on your list probably, and I don't think I have either. But <laughs> your number one is, of course. My number one, of course, is The Lost Boys, which shouldn't be on anybody's list. <laughs> you have the two quarries, a great soundtrack. Exactly. What's that to like? Exactly. Hey, Kiefer Sutherland, like if you're going to go down that route, you might as well spell it out. So, yes. Um, Kiefer Sutherland a is a vampire, nonetheless, you know. Yes. No better vampire during exactly. that era than Kiefer exactly. Sutherland. There you go. So. Well, Callie, any any final words? Anything you'd want our, our listeners to to know about uh, the part-time MBA academic experience? Uh, well, this is sort of self-serving, but it's just been an absolute pleasure. And it's been so fun for me and my Darton colleagues to be able to see this program launch and to have this first cohort of students who are so engaged. The last year's students, you know, they they were willing to be a part of this journey with us and help uh, craft it together. And I I think now just seeing the rewards of that with the second cohort, like I just really think it's only going to get better and better. So um, this is a community that I love so, so much. And I know because of seeing year over year students graduating, just filling their hearts about what it has meant to them to be a part of Darden and to do it in a format that works for your life. Um, not to say that it's not the flexibility does not necessarily mean that it's easy, but it is one that um, you've got that groups of people rooting for you. And I think if you have the appetite to do it, give yourself the gift of, of Darden and come join us. That's what I would say, Fred. I think that's a great ending to this podcast. Yael, Callie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about electives and schedules, calendars, all these kinds of things. That's been so much fun. I think this is super helpful for people to kind of come inside the process and to understand it a little bit more from both the program side, but also from the student side. So thank you so much. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Nate. And that was my interview with Yael Grushka Kane and Callie Thompson, two leaders of our professional degree programs here at the Darden School of Business. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can reach at exec, that's E-X-E-C, MBA at darden.virginia.edu. Till next time. Stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.